Welcome to our second installment of the Washed Up Presidents podcast. I'm Ken Chong. I want to make it clear that I am the Washed Up President. It's not my guest that is necessarily washed up. As I said before, I started this podcast because I'm bored and my ego needs some stroking. So I'm hoping that people will open this up or download or however it goes. And so I'm here today with Shri Solder, our 109th president. She is the fifth female president of LA5, one of the youngest to serve. And um, we're going to have a conversation with her today about her experience as being one of those young professionals with a busy life and a lot of things going on with work, with family, with you know, with Rotary, um, but still finding the time to do it all. So I want to thank Cherise for hosting me in her home, even made me lunch. This is actually a really good gig. Um, and in uh, Cherise older style, she even took the um, initiative to make sure to, because uh, both Melinda and Chrissy, my producers, could not be here. She learned, she took the equipment, and she is producing her own interview. So thank you, Sharice. Thank you, President Ken. It is a pleasure to be sitting down with you and uh, to have been invited to speak with you and to invite you into uh, my home. And I think that you are, as you usually do, making the most of the opportunities and now have not only given yourself a microphone, but also managed to get prepared meals for each of your visits. So it's so keeps... sad how transparent I am. This is really actually quite pathetic. When I listen, when I re-listen to all the footage, I'm probably going to be very embarrassed. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm one of the only presidents that tells the truth about the whole deal. So that's what this podcast is about. We want to try to get the, the inner, the, the, that, that inside scoop. We want to hear now that you're done, you don't have to be so politically correct, entertain, maybe, maybe our listeners, our Rotarians can learn a little bit. So, um, so thank you again for being willing and, you know, you are for sure not washed up yet. I mean, you are, you have finished a, a relatively long run. We just talked about, it. it's like a seven year run when you start off as a first as a committee chair and then you get invited to the board, which is, which is two years. And then you get invited to the executive committee, which is secretary, vice president, program chair, president elect, then president. And what people don't realize the past president year, the immediate past president year is still a very busy one. Absolutely. Because you are the chair of membership approval. You mm -hmm. are on the foundation board still. Um, so you still got to go to two board meetings uh, a month. And you, on top of it, which is a, kind of a new, um, a new thing uh, of serving at the district level as an assistant governor, right out of the gate as, you know, being immediate past president. So you were still very busy, even as that, you know, even in your, even in your past president year. So you don't know quite the, you don't have the experience that I have now being five years out where there's no more accolade. No more reserve seat. I'm sitting in the back. I'm struggling to find a place to sit. Um, barely a hello or a thank you. 
So you don't have that experience yet. You're still coming out. So I think it's nice and fresh. And so I think there's, there'll be some, you'll be able to share some, some neat things still with, with, uh, with our Rotarians. So to start it, I, I want to start with some softball stuff. Um, really okay. easy stuff. Like, I just want to know, like, what is the, what was the, mo- the thing that you're most proud of for your year as the 109th president of LA5? I would say the thing I'm the most proud of was just the couple of things. There's, there's some of the bigger things like our foundation, um, exceeding $8 million in the endowment. Obviously I had very little to do with it, but still it was during my year that that crossover happened. So I do feel very proud of the management of our foundation, a huge, you know, thanks to our foundation board and the board chair at the time, Megan, it was kind of nice to serve at the same time as, as chair of our club board and chair of our foundation board, um, two of the youngest members of our presidency, um, class, as well as the, uh, two active female members that have served as president. So I would say that was a very kind of proud opportunity to serve our club during the height of our foundation. And, you know, with that, being able to award more money than we've ever been able to award for scholarships, for service projects, um, the ability to increase the following year an extra percentage of our endowment that would go into those community service types yeah, of things was, was, was awesome. Yeah. And so that to me from just a very, um, I think high level was, was a proud moment. Um, but really for me personally, it was just what this year I think meant to me. I was in somewhat of a personal transition mode, not knowing how, the rotary year was going to go and had a lot of great encouragement from the people around me that I was the right leader at the right time and decided to just put one foot in front of the other and move forward and was just so embraced by the members of our club, encouraged by people who were new and old. And I just felt that it was a time where it made me realize the family that is LA5. And that we don't have to look like exactly what came before. Um, And we just have to do our best and that we're all called to the role for a reason. And it's our own and it's individual. And much like why we join Rotary, it's our own, it's individual. And so that to me was probably my proudest um, experience of just really realizing what our, our club was about and the specialness that exists there. And along those lines, did you, one of the things that I will remember about your year is your fearlessness to make changes. And one of them was one of them, which is really counter counterculture to what all past presidents have done is that you sped up the meeting. Absolutely. I actually, it was refreshing how fast it was. I mean, there was no nonsense. It was a no BS kind of a meeting. There was a lot of free time, like in the beginning and at the end, because of that efficiency. Was there any pushback there? Or was that just an easy thing to do? Was 
I think it it wasn't as difficult as some might think. Um, if people come into Rotary thinking they have to wait for permission from the committee to do anything, things won't get done. You have to come in, see the task at hand, and if anything, ask forgiveness. And one thing I learned as club president is people do listen to you and they trust you until you lose their trust. Yeah. And I think I gained a lot of trust when we were able to still accomplish everything we needed to accomplish and meetings finished not just on time, but early. I'll still remember the look on everyone's face the very first meeting when nobody knew that I had the agenda set to finish at 1.15 and everyone just assumed it was going to finish at 1.30 or if anything, run long, like yeah, typical every, first meetings yeah, go. First meetings go to 1.40. And the that's... fact it finished at 1.15 and the look of shock across the room when it was like, we're, we're done. I seriously thought you forgot to put something in. Like you just <laughs> left a speaker, just you screwed up really badly. And we were going to like hit the reset after you, go, you rang the bell and be like, Oh, I'm sorry. We, I left off this. Just this kidding. Piece. No, it was, uh, I really, I trust me after serving six years on the board and going to almost every single meeting for the four years preceding my presidency, you start to realize what people need to hear, what people don't need to hear. And you realize what people can learn from just talking at their tables versus being told from a microphone and also what people tune out. And I felt that keeping people's attention and making sure that the important messages didn't get lost amongst the multiple messages was, was key. And I really wanted to make our meetings more engaging. And people come from a lot of different parts of the city, myself included. I want people to maximize that and, and not just, I wanted them to not just be talked at for 90 minutes, yeah. which I did feel was a little bit of that um, rhythm we had gotten into. And I also took over the script entirely. I, I know some presidents have done that. Other presidents would, you know, kind of hit copy and paste and with insight from the executive director. But I also had to tell people no that wanted to make announcements because I didn't feel that they were going to get their desired benefit from being behind a microphone. So I just wasn't afraid to look different at the opportunity that was there and look at the bigger reward in the, and giving people more time and uh, hopefully making it fun. And I didn't realize how much of a slave driver to the clock I really was until Paul Netzel, when he came for our state of the city meeting or the district governor's meeting, one of them was literally running back and forth to the microphone with, you know, <laughs> with, with an injured hip thinking he didn't want to go off yeah. of time. And yeah. I thought, wow, this message has really, yeah. you know, gone across the world yeah. with, you know, how strict I am, but people also respected it. We had fun with it. And it also translated to board meetings. And I think people obviously appreciate their time. So you, met, you, you mentioned something about, which I'd like to, to go back on. I've always talked about this fake power of being president, this, you know, cause I'm just a nobody in real life. I just, whatever, I gotta, I'm the slave to everybody. And so you, you become president of LA five, the historic Rotary club. And there is this 
strange power that comes this I don't know where you know and to me it obviously went to my head with the fining and um you know being a tyrant on, on that part um is there do you have no one else admits I'm the only one that that admits to to enjoying that but did was is there any enjoyment to that is there to the pomp and circumstance to the to that whole part, did did you get anything out of, or am I the only selfish, arrogant, egotistical person that's that's uh, served in the position? No, I wouldn't say that you're the only one. And I think anyone who says that they don't enjoy that, there's a good chance they're lying, because I think we've seen it acted out afterwards when that power's gone, and they don't feel as important that you know they kind of sometimes can raise a stink in other environments. Yeah. So I, I think that too. I, I absolutely notice it. And you know what? I absolutely, I would say enjoyed it, but I would like to believe in an unselfish way. I liked it because I was able to affect change yeah. and that I felt change that needed to happen and that frankly, some people were afraid to make. And that was decisions big and small from tightening up an agenda to taking over some of the responsibilities that we had over the years decided to um, you know, distribute to paid staff, um, to changing the structure of some of our operations. I just wasn't afraid to do what I felt was the best for the club as a whole. And with that, the ease of the power to do it and the influence that came with the role made that a lot easier. You for sure had big challenges that I was not, I didn't have the courage to take on. I mean, the, the, all the problems that you had to deal with were definitely in my year, apparent in my year. Mm -hmm. um, so big um, hats off to you for being, being able and having the strength and the courage to do that. It's, it, it, it's for sure not, not easy. Um, and, uh, and I think you, and I, and I think you did it really well for the, for the cards that were dealt. I mean, we all, you know, and so, so that was, that was great. And I'm glad you embraced that. I'm glad, you know, I mean, I think you were the right person for that. Um, I didn't get the pleasure to serve on your board. Um, so I didn't, I didn't get to see the real taskmaster, I, it's legendary. I did hear about it. There was plenty of people that talked about it behind your back or maybe in front of your face, but, um, but I didn't get to experience it firsthand. Uh, but definitely not easy when you have all this tradition and kind of have all these ways, all these opinions, all these opinions, um, uh, not, not easy. That being said, now that you've kind of thought about these things that you were proud of, how about, how about something that you wish you could have done differently? or that you're not proud of? I do wish I could have been there for two of our biggest meetings. Yeah, but that was great for me. <laughs> I know. So, One of them was great yeah. for you, and the other was great for past President Megan. Yes. Um, but I would say that getting sick the, uh, the week of Ken Starr, when now almost every large meeting is weighed against, you know, a Ken Starr-type meeting, 
But yes, I was happy that, um, you know, you answered my call upon the first ring to uh, step in. Um, And also with Rick Caruso, you know, being a part of those big meetings is so much of what our club has been defined by for a number of years and just putting on the show. So missing out on that, I think selfishly, you know, was something that I wish could have been different um, because there is just such an energy in the room and there's there's so many great things taken away from it. And we see members of the club that we don't get to see all the time. Yeah. Um, and so so that's that's one piece. The other one is I do wish I would have engaged some of our broader membership sooner. I really respect what our incoming and and I guess now current club president Rick Gibson is doing um, just in his goal to connect with every single Rotarian as he's entering into this year. Um, and that was something I always I always felt that I would do and have wanted to do. But as we all know, who've served in this role, there's a small window in which you still have time to plan that then transitions to go mode. Yeah. And so part of it was that um, I think really just being able to make more genuine connections. But throughout the year, I, I just really didn't take for granted the opportunities to connect with members, whether it was something as simple as um, emailing members personally to wish them happy birthday and, and, and invite them to be recognized for the upcoming, you know, birthday celebration, yeah. um, or just responding to each of the emails that people would send to me. Um, you were so, good about that, though, I think, too, because also the hate mail, you did not... You I was able to hate, avoid right? some hate mail. I don't know if it was my threat from the first meeting. And I think that... I a boatloader. I mean, I yeah. had a lot of nasty... Now, my year was riddled with tons of regrets and stupid moves, but I had a ton of hate mail. And the fact that... I think you and Todd both did not have a ton. Well, I um, know, and and I think that part of it was um, just I, I don't necessarily embrace it. Yeah, I I'm pretty smart, upfront that I don't look for problems. I look yeah. for solutions, and you know, look, we're all volunteers in the club, so it it should be fun what we're doing. And if yeah. something's not, then then just don't do it. Yeah or come up with something better. Um, so I think setting that tone early was probably one of the best things I did, unless it did scare some people away from making legitimate, you know, arguments for the way something should be. But at the end of the day, I also really relied on our membership as a whole to then engage the relationships they have, engage the directors on our board when it comes to a certain area that maybe they're upset about. Um, I I think that our club presidents in years past have been a catch-all for everything and in a way that has undercutted the influence of our board. And I tried to put a little bit more of that authority back to the board and let them be the leaders of their division. So when things came up, when members had a complaint, it would always fall in one of our main five areas that we deal with. It's either a membership problem, a marketing issue, um, somebody having a great idea for the foundation, community service, or it's then club administration. And, you know, we have 14 board members that serve 
in those positions. So why not let them kind of weigh in? And sometimes they were nicer than I was anyway. So it worked better for the members. Well, I'm, I'm kind of sad to hear that one of your regrets is missing the big, I mean, I joke about it, that I did have fun at your big meeting. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, th that is kind of, I don't want to say it's the elephant in the room, but it's obviously, when did you join Rotary? I forgot the age. It was February of 2009. 2009. So, um, you know, like the, the fact that we have fewer of the big meetings, Mm -hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, can we bring that back? Can we, is that, is that, do we, do we have to say, you know what, that's just gone? Or is there a way to somehow bring that, that piece back to LA5? I think we can bring it back and we have brought it back. I just believe that it's quality over quantity. And I think that LA is a market that has long been saturated with plenty of distractions and things to do. And it's, it is hard to motivate the masses in the same way that it was as frequently as we had in the past. Yeah. LA five is not the only place you can listen to a great speaker. Yeah. You know, we're talking about days before podcasts and Ted talks yeah. and that we would rely on gatherings like our Friday meetings for inspirational talks and educational talks. And we get that now on our iPhone yeah. and we can listen like to it in the talk, shower, like, right like where some of you might be <laughs> listening to us. Um, so it, it is, that landscape has changed and people are busier and people are more remote. So thinking of all of those factors, does it mean we can't have those meetings? No, not at all. But we do have to think that much more outside of the box. What's really going to engage people? We can't just do what we've always done yeah. and put a big speaker um, at the podium and expect everyone to show up. Yeah. It is a combination of things. I know when I first joined Rotary, frankly, I never looked to see who the speaker was. It was just, can I make it to Friday or not yeah. due to other scheduling That's issues? Thing. I rarely know who the speaker is. Absolutely. And if I did look ahead to see who the speaker was and decide if I was going to go to Rotary or not based on that, I would have missed some of my favorite talks that I've heard over the years because it was always the no-name speaker that delivered to me some of the best messages. Yeah. So I just think that we, we can still have the big draws. We can still have the big names. Um, but I think that it's not to be missed with the other reason that people go to Rotary, which is to see their friends, which is to have fun, which is to give back. And the more we, again, talk at people from the podium versus at the meetings, perhaps have ways that people feel like they're truly involved. Um, I think that that's where some of our attendance numbers can be. We have to give people that, that FOMO effect, you know, yeah. that fear of missing out. Um, and, and a lot, and that, but that's personal for people. Yeah. It's not just a one, one size fits all. We have to really know who our members are, know what they want. We have to listen to our members and, you know, we have to be willing to try different things and, and most importantly, have fun. Yeah. See, to show that I, how washed up I am, I served as senior assistant governor for three years and then not asked back. So I must've done a 
bad enough job where kind of I'm done with that. So I haven't been to a district breakfast, which now I heard that you are going to be co-chair of district breakfast. Yes. Very big event, like 300 three, plus people, 300 plus people. Um, I don't know how, 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 like, has the attendance changed at the district breakfasts? Are they still, are they still kind of, do they still have that, that draw and that strength? Um, or is there, or is there changes happening even at that level? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure what the year over year attendance change has been. Um, I know there's been some of our breakfasts, like our literacy breakfast that might have 150 people there. And then we have some of the bigger breakfasts, um, that we recently moved from the West End, and this year we'll actually be at the Proud Bird. Um, but they would have maybe between three and four hundred people there. Um, sometimes, again, it was dependent upon the speakers and, and who was there. But the same thing that I was talking about with our um, Friday programs is is some of the approach I'm looking to bring to the breakfasts is. What do the people in the room really want? It's not just putting a big name on stage, but it's are they ta- are are we going to be engaging the leaders of Rotary? Because most of the people that go to the district breakfasts are not just your everyday member. A lot yeah. of times they're the leaders of Rotary. So we're and we're not engaging guests. We're not engaging really non-Rotarians. I would think you might have five in a room, if that. Yeah. So we really have to know who our audience is and, and provide a program that will be practical for them to get something out of and the engagement with the other clubs. And I do think that it's important. We have that sort of engagement at the district level. Um, the district has stayed, I think, relatively flat in its um, membership numbers. I mean, it hasn't, sw- I think, taken as big of swings as some individual clubs have. We have quite a few clubs that are still thriving and growing, yeah. um, others that are just kind of holding steady. Yeah. So I think it's it's worthwhile to go to those types of events. And I think that we have a great opportunity at the district level to continue to engage our club leadership help them really connect with Rotary International because that's that's what the district is supposed to be. I do think that the district has taken on an identity of its own in years past when it, it should either be serving the club, um, it should always be serving the clubs, but it should also be that connection to RI, not something else in addition to what the clubs are trying to do and what RI is yeah. trying to do. And so I really think focusing on being more of that conduit, more of that um, helping to convey the message will just help build stronger clubs. Yeah. That is what I think the district should be doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Part of the reason, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the podcast is I really, I'm really impressed with, with your rotary career, you know, kind of the, the, the steps you took. And, and really because, you know, you, when you started, you know, you're a young professional, there's, you know, you don't have things when, when you're in your thirties, you don't have things all set up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from where you, when you first joined to where you are today, you're a totally different person, but you make this commitment to serve and to lead mm-hmm. and to be an example and to make change. Um, not an easy thing and not a normal thing, um, not a natural thing. 
I think most people in that in that setting would say, no, I've got other things I want to do. Mm-hmm. So like, tell me kind of that whole decision making process. I mean, I think you probably you probably didn't even know any better and you just get asked to do it and you do it and you're like, well, I could handle a little bit more and then I can handle a little bit more. Absolutely. That's part of it. And I do know when what happens for a lot of our members is they get they get to that board level and they're like, okay, I'm tapped out. That's really it. And then there's a few that I'll say, okay, I'm willing to take the next step and then, and then eventually become president. But again, to do it in your thirties mm-hmm. where there's still a lot of change and you kind of, and we ask for like a five year commitment basically. Mm-hmm. Um, even though you know, things are going to be different, but you went, you powered through it. So I want to do it. Give me, give me some of this thought process. Give me some of the, what's the drivers. Um, you well, know, for you to, to, to do that. Cause that's really special. That's really rare. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think part of it was, was what you explained that it, it, it is somewhat spoon fed to you until you're in almost too deep and, yeah. and you kind of can't turn around. Yeah. Um, but you're also, I think that much more hooked on, the opportunity that lies in front of you. And it's, there's a couple of things. What that, is that opportunity? What do you think that opportunity, what was that opportunity that, that was in front of you? To me, the opportunity and more or less, I guess I should say the honor of being asked to serve a club such as ours. Rotary is an amazing organization. Um, and our club you know, had been around for 108 years um, prior to me serving as its club president. And so when I would look back on all of the club leaders and everything our club had had done um, and continues to do, to to be invited to serve as the leader of that was not lost on me. And so part of it was just not wanting to let our members down and the people who elected me to this position. Um, you know, and that's, that's to say our, our, our past presidents of our club, they're, they are silent. Like you say, you know, they hide in the back of the room and, or are, are, uh, quarantined to the back of the room. But at the end of the day, they are, they very much are the silent leaders developing the next leaders of our club because the past presidents are the ones that are nominating the board members and nominating the incoming officers. And, you know, that's their one job. And we're back. So to follow up on, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that there's like this honor and there's like this feeling that you don't want to let people down. Like, I think those are good motivators to get people to say yes can you share some of the parts of like making it manageable within that young professional's life? We get so many people are like, no, I can't because of this, because of that. How did you make it manageable? Um, part of it is it does have to complement, I think, the work that you do. It makes it a lot easier if it does, uh, especially for someone in the position that I'm in. My job at the time I served in most of the leadership roles was with the Beverly Hills Chamber of Commerce, where it was being involved in the community. It was making sure I stayed current on what was happening in the business world. So 
every time I would go to Rotary and interact with our members, it was serving that part of my job. It also allowed me to use the resources of my job, the people that I knew there um, that could work as a complementary connection to the Rotary world. Um, And then as far as the day-to-day you know, if, if Rotary is a full-time job, I feel like we're doing something wrong yeah. because it is supposed to be fun and our members are engaged in Rotary for the, you know, hour or two they might come to the Friday meeting. And then, yes, if they're participating in a committee or if they're um, attending another event, but it shouldn't feel like work. Yeah. It should it should be fun. Yeah, I, but it was fun for you, right? I Absolutely. Mean, was, was I fun. I like I liked putting together agendas. You know, I'm someone who likes organization and order. So for me, putting together a strict agenda with a tight time frame, um, and then executing it at the end of the week, that was fun to me. I should be clear to any listener who's thinking about being president: you don't have to love agendas because I hate that. I hated <laughs> doing that stuff and doing notes and minutes and that kind of, so you don't have to have that predisposition just as a True. side note. Uh, True. But I guess it does help. It, it, it helped because I, it, it helped in a way to where I was taking on more of those roles myself. Yeah. Um, we have had in the past the luxury of more human capital that we would work with yeah. at our club administrative level. Um, And what happened with that is I feel there were a lot of things we were doing because someone was being paid to do them. So part of taking on some of those responsibilities myself made me also realize what we could cut out. What do we actually need? I made sure, obviously, it it would be acceptable within our bylaws and Rotary International. But I wasn't afraid to do what I felt was going to be the most effective. I also had people that held me accountable to it. It wasn't as if you know, I answered to no one. I answered to a board and and to an executive committee and ultimately our members. Um, but I did make things more efficient that way, moving things as simply to a Google shared Google file and making sure that we didn't have to go a hundred emails back and forth or two hour long phone conversations to put together an agenda. I worked on things when I had time and I could do that at midnight if I needed to. I didn't need to email the executive director and ask him for the agenda. I just pulled it up off of the um, shared file and I knew other people were working on it too. I could work on the slideshow that way. So I think having the flexibility of tools to collaborate with your leadership, but also people having their their jobs. Um, But we have to make it convenient. And like I said, we have to make it fun. Uh, And ultimately it really didn't take up I feel an exorbitant amount of time that prevented me from doing my job or cutting into my personal life. Yeah. I should take the moment to apologize to John Gibby, our executive director at the time when I was president, because I think he spent a lot of time on the agenda and script and I never actually read them or used them. And so I'm sure that was just like a huge, if I was more organized like you and kind of did that analysis versus just kind of flying by the seat of my pants and like waking up Friday morning and seeing what, what I was going to talk about probably would have been better, could have probably better utilized everyone's resources and time and and as far as managing that. But I, I saw that in you. 
Um, and I wish I was that person, but I'm not. I mean, there's, there's no sense in trying to. You had a lot of mental preparation and, you know, primping time that you needed to make yourself look good behind the stage and are behind the podium. And, you know, you had to get all of your glory in. Exactly. I don't have what you've got. So I, you've got, you know, there's a lot more spackle and duct tape that has to go on. Um, when, and you know, when I'm going to be in front of this big crowd and I am not by nature, like this extrovert, I actually, my default would be just to be in the corner and be quiet. And the first time I got up at that, at that mic as program, I did service secretary, I went right to program chair. I was terrified that first time. Um, I will say that, the experience for me, it, it was the best battle testing kind of uh, like throw, just jumping in the deep end um, uh, as far as kind of job training or leadership training uh, that I could pot, that I could ever go through. Um, I mean, it was, you know, it was just trial by fire and you just did it. But, um, but, uh, you know, I think we both took very similar uh, experiences from it, even though our paths were, were a bit different. Absolutely. Now, do you think if you didn't have the job that you had, would you be able to do the Bulls president? Um, like, is that necessary? Like, do you think it, it could have been done if you had a different kind of a job that wasn't so community oriented? Possibly. I, you know, I give a lot of credit to my predecessor as club president and my CEO at the time, Todd Johnson, for knowing what would be necessary to fill that role. Yeah. Um, I had the support from my company. Yeah, so not just the job itself that fit those things, but just the support of yeah. the people that you report to. So I think it's a, it's an important combination. Um, so I do think it needs to be something that fits within your job. Uh, there are 60 other clubs in our district. So finding the right fit, I think, is important for membership just as much as it's important for serving in a leadership role. If it's a challenge to be involved, it's going to be an even bigger challenge to being in leadership. But yeah, I feel sure. if you, you can... Yeah, it's, you have to have kind of the fundamental kind of support. And absolutely, but if you can be an engaged member of our club, then leadership is not taking on that much more, in my opinion. You 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 are needing to um, be willing to make some decisions to be part of the vision planning, and I feel um, execution of of certain things. But it doesn't, it's not like all of a sudden you're signing your life over. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I think if you, if you are a member that can handle pretty good attendance, 80, 85% attendance, then going to leadership is not much more of a stretch. If you have a job where you cannot be gone on Friday afternoon, right. then there's just no way. But if you And our club might not be the right fit yeah, for you either. Yeah. We have breakfast clubs and evening clubs yeah. within our district. I feel like if you can if you can go to those lunch meetings, you can handle running the meeting. Mm -hmm. And all the other stuff is really at night. It's like kind of if you think that it's fun stuff, engaging and kind of being with friends and doing the strategic plan to run this. And you have to be able to respond to emails. Yeah. And you have to be able to make quick decisions. Yeah. You know, we really, leadership is 
I think, in our club about being able to sit in a room, make decisions, and make progress. Sometimes in companies, we have meetings and you can talk about the same thing for a month and then finally decide to act, but you have a much longer time frame on planning and, and executing. Within our club, it's defined by these years that a club president is serving, your board term, your officer term, it is within a finite period of time, and you're working on volunteer hours. So I think it is a little bit of a mental shift people need to be able to put on that you can't just walk into a meeting and think, okay, we're going to discuss things. You have to walk into a meeting and say, what are we going to do? And I think that that's where it's a little bit more action-oriented, and especially if you're going to make it worth your while as your time invested, we, we have to continue to make it action-oriented. The nice thing, I think, Rotarians by nature, they join because they are doers in one, in one way or another. And so, so I think that at least, I think everyone kind of has the right, the right attitude about it. And, I, I, and that's why I did want to interview you because I think you're a great example of being able to kind of do all this stuff. You had the right, you had the right attitude. You did have the, the stars did align mm-hmm. um, appropriately so that you could do it. But there was, you know, you had the right pieces where you had the, you had the a job and a supervisor that kind of knew the deal. And it was kind of, it, it did kind of mesh with what you did at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also had the desire, you had the interest. I mean, naturally that you gravitated towards leadership and public speaking Mm -hmm. being up there. So those were like, it was some nice pieces that came together. Well, and the other thing to not ignore that I think every past president can also relate to is you do have your, your family and your personal support team that supports what you're doing as well. Your job has to support, your family has to support because Rotary is not just part of your professional world. It is also part of your personal world. And so I think when you have a a partner that is there also cheering you on, and I was very fortunate is that I had somebody who would come to meetings and understand the investment that I was making and not make it a competition for my time or my attention and and believed in also what I was doing. So I do want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, the partners and the spouses out there that, that help because one, it, it is that uh, that mental power you take on. And yeah. so, you know, keeping humbled at home is always important, but also just being pulled in a lot of different directions and, and taking something on, like leading our club and, yeah. and to have that support team at home, I think is, is key. Yeah. Or on the flip side, if you don't have the support at home, um, like I think Heidi just let me do it because then I could get my ego stroke there at Friday and she wouldn't have to do it. And then, that too. And she could say, well, go take the trash out now and whatever, um, and ground me. So, you know, there's, there's both sides. Um, it will work. I'm just saying it will work either which way with the support or without the support. If you want to do it, you can do it. It's about prioritizing if you want to do it. If you, if there's something about it yep. that will make you want it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've talked a lot. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if anyone's listening, crickets, sleep, what they're doing back there. But well, at least we know that two people will listen because we both will listen just to hear our own voice. Oh, yeah. We know that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll make our family listen. Yeah, so that's right. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Yes. And then, you know, and, we're, and we have to make Melinda and Chrissy listen because they got to edit this. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we've got like five listeners and we'll see if we can get it to 10. Um, but you've been a fantastic second guest to the washed up presidents podcast. Thank you. I hope you never end up where I am in the washed up world. I hope you continue to be a bright shining star in rotary and everything else. But I, I do, I do think it's important to note that you will never shine as bright as you do as club president. That's right. You can, you can keep yourself busy doing a lot of things. You can tell yourself the job that you're doing is important, but when people don't answer your call, your text, or your email right away, it's that constant reminder oh, that yeah. you're not as important to them anymore. Oh, yeah, so as, as many so... jobs as you do, you are humbled and you do realize that there's there's something magical to being the club yeah, president. You yeah. get the microphone back for two minutes, but it's not the same. someone had to give it to you. Yeah. You, didn't, like you didn't give it away. Yeah. Exactly. It's so... Tough. I do think it's important for anyone going up the ranks to realize there is there is that pinnacle of glory, yeah. and then it's all downhill from there. I know, but at least you know not everyone even gets to get that spot. Absolutely. I mean, there was the time when I was president and I was trolling Facebook and whatever, and I could post anything and get two hundred likes, like no problem. And mm-hmm. Today, I struggle to get fifty. And so, you know, you know, like, and I have all these Rotarians that are in my feed because like you and I, we share like a hundred right. friends together, me and Eric, you know, like all of us. Like, yep. And so they're all still there and they're all still just seeing it, but like, they don't even have to give the, um, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, being president, you get these random standing ovations for nothing. Yeah. And that's gone. Yeah. And that's gone. And so. That's so all we have is each other. All we have is each we, other. We know how important we once were. Yes. So and that's I that's have, what we're here I for. Have this mic for the podcast. And I'm going to believe that people are listening and that my voice is going out there. And I'll see. I'll see if I get a bump in the likes on my Facebook post. But I doubt it. I doubt it will. Um, but we can always just hope. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you, Sharice, for inviting me into your home for making me a wonderful lunch and for doing the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure and uh, hopefully we will do it again sometime soon. Okay. Thanks.